0: Our gospel reading is from uh, the book of St. Mark, chapter 9, beginning in the second verse. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one what they had seen until after the Son of Man had been risen from the dead. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, If you've ever seen the movie Office Space, you might remember the inciting incident. The main character, Peter, is stuck in a dead-end job causing him endless stress. And so his girlfriend takes him to a hypnotist who puts him into this trance where all of his worries uh, and cares have gone away. Uh, The hypnotist then means to bring him out of it on the count of three and with a snap, but of course it all goes wrong. Uh, The hypnotist collapses after getting to to the count of two, uh, dies from a heart attack on the spot, uh, and Peter never awakens from his trance. He was supposed to, uh, but the fingers were never snapped. And what was supposed to be this very short-lived period stretches on indefinitely. And I don't know about any of you, uh, but to me, it really feels like whoever was supposed to snap their fingers at the end of Lent last year uh, never ended up getting to the count of three. Uh, the, the season of denial and minimization never really went away as it shadowed over our easter joy and then through our summer advent christmas tide epiphany all came and went with this sort of lingering lenten self-denial still present either by virtue of personal circumstance um, uh, government requirements uh, or decisions of, of charity and it has just nearly been a full year of going about so many good things that give us joy and peace. The long lent of COVID tide has been undeniable in its effect. Unrest, sorrows, loss, longing. And now we are just a few days away from it beginning again. What should have been a clarifying experience of patience and faith now uh, looks Hard to be enthusiastic for. And so our gospel text, meant to celebrate the culmination of Epiphany Tide, the season of the light of God being known in the world, hits many of us either as a bittersweet revelation or perhaps even like a mocking jest before the Lenten fast leads us to another Easter seeped in uncertainties. But it's precisely for this reason that I think the story of the Transfiguration in St. Mark's account. Is so immediately relevant to us because it is one of the very last gestures of Christ to his apostles to build them up for the long road that lies ahead the next few weeks before they will encounter their deepest sorrow and most bitter pain it is a revelation meant precisely for people who don't realize what darkness yet lies ahead of them and it means to be a light to brighten that darkness in the days to come to excite the minds of the faithful to see the reality of Jesus for who he is so i want us to try to envision that which eyes cannot see to gaze upon that which we are to which we are blind and to see it for what it tells us about what lies ahead of us in the lenten season to come it is without question one of the most confusing and bizarre accounts in the entirety of scripture But it also speaks, I think, most clearly to how we as followers of Jesus are to understand what his glory looks like and how we are to respond to it. Because when we look at the story of Jesus in Scripture, he spends so many of our pages experiencing and demonstrating our humanity, showing what it is to really be a human being that the few depictions of his divinity are somewhat rare. There's the angelic activity at the Annunciation and his birth. There's his baptism. There's his resurrection, an an event which goes mostly undescribed, actually. There's his ascension, and there's his transfiguration. These events stand out as perhaps the most glorious displays of his Godhead revealed to the world. And of them all, the most glorious at least the most glorious one described, must surely be the transfiguration, where the cloak of his humanity ceases to obscure the fullness of his divine glory, demonstrating the awe-inspiring reality of the incarnate God, who arrayed in uncreated splendor, bent down into human poverty, to raise us up into his glory especially since the most obvious demonstration of his glory, the resurrection, is, as I said before, entirely undescribed in the, in the scriptures, leaving us with a transfiguration as perhaps the next, next best representation of his divinity within, within the scriptural account. Uh, and it is, a, it is a glory that the holiest, most faithful people desire to account, encounter within the pages of scripture We heard it this evening when Elijah seeks to encounter God in his fullness and finds the most unfettered displays of the forces and power in creation are unable to reveal the glory of God as well as the arresting silence of his own voice. And this same voice speaks now in the story on Mount Tabor to Elijah, who is in the presence, the immediate holy space of the one, the true God, his whole life was given over to. Likewise, Moses, who pleaded to behold the face of God and who had, who had his petition denied, who was hidden in the cleft of the rock as God passed by, is here in this moment, in the presence of the God whose beaming face cannot be beheld, hearing him as he who spoke, spoke forth all things who is the very word of God that makes all things have their being, speaks now, as if to an old friend. And in this spectacle of glory, we can't help but desire what the disciples themselves desired. That longing expressed by Saint Peter, let us stay here. Let us be here in this place for all time, unto the ages of ages, while the world perishes below us. For what we long to see is God most glorified, to see him as he is, his truest revelation of divinity expressed in the human person. Do not send us back down the mountain to the place where demons seize the joyful youth of children, where fervent prayer is the only life raft through the world, where evil and power and sickness and plague and darkness seem to reign in unrivaled domination. Let us, O oh God, behold nothing but your highest glory, and so be set free from the evils of this world. But we would be wrong, just like Peter was wrong, because it is not on Tabor that the glory of Jesus Christ is most evident, most spectacular, or most expressive. The Mount of the Transfiguration is not the most powerful vision of God in his greatest glory. It is an icon of it. It is the picture of the elevation of Christ as the King of all glory, but it is not the occasion of Christ in his fullest, most unencumbered, glorious display. Imagine me with me this this vision, which... Admittedly, can't hardly be imagined. You have Christ at the very center of it. And on each side of him, two men, seemingly perfect examples of men worthy of the moment they are participating in. And at the feet of Christ are his followers, beholding in shock and confusion the moment being laid bare before them, a moment that does not make sense. The transfiguration, when properly beheld, Is an icon of the crucifixion. To desire for Jesus to be properly glorified on Tabor, we must follow up to his glorification on Golgotha. The transfiguration serves for us as a signpost for where we should be pointing ourselves, where we should be desiring after Christ. Because it is at the cross, That Jesus makes known to all creation, all the powers and principalities, all the spiritual forces aligned against God, that he and he alone is the glorious victor who takes away the sin of the world. It is at the cross that Jesus displays in broken, beaten, bleeding humanity the awful and undefeatable power of the living God who has brought forth all things in himself and sustains all things, saves all things, and recreates all things. The glory of Jesus arrayed on the Mount of the Transfiguration is the evidence that the glory of the cross is his greatest demonstration that he is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world and is the one whom creation cries out to, whom the rocks shake and tremble before, whom the heavens hide their face from as he executes judgment on evil, sin, and death itself. To behold the vision of Jesus on Mount Tabor is to point ourselves to Jerusalem, It is to see that he leads us into the life of his death and resurrection. It is to be empowered to go forth and follow him into his great defeat of sin. To believe that the God who made mankind and then became mankind can unmake the sinfulness that slaughters our souls because he, in his unending glory, has seized sin and death in himself and condemned it the transfiguration points us to that reality its visual details show us as much it reminds us that the glory of Christ on the cross and the glory of Christ breaking forth from the tomb are one in the same the beauty of Jesus as described in the stories following his resurrection is matched by the beauty he emanates in the Transfiguration. But the scene of the Transfiguration itself resembles the passion of God on his cross. What seem to be two events, his death and resurrection, are one in the iconographic expression of the Transfiguration. And so we cannot behold him in his transfigured glory without being turned towards his fullest expression of glory on the cross. And that is where we find ourselves, nearly to the eve of another Lent, inheriting the mantle of the Lent that didn't seem to end. And as easy as it might be either to despair or brace for the Lenten fast ahead of us, let us sit in the space of the transfigured Christ let us remember that our 40-day journey toward the cross toward the, erection, the, the, the the resurrection is enlivened by the glory of Jesus on Tabor that what awaits at the end of this long fast is not more sorrow or more pangs ultimately though some of those will still be present with us but what really awaits us is the glorious vision of Jesus Christ slain and risen trampling down death by death and bestowing those in the tomb with life that all the chaoses and evil of the world cannot afflict or seize or kill in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen